Lawrence Fishburne in The Matrix has all the great lines. You're here because you know something. But what you know, you can't explain. You felt it your entire life. You don't know what it is, but you know it's there. It's like a splinter in your mind to blind you from the truth. What, what a great narrative. chapter 2 and verse 13. We're going to do a few verses here, 13 to 17. It's a quite a short story, actually, this one. Um, this is what it said. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. So if you want to follow along, that's where I'm getting this from. So uh, Mark chapter 2 and verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lakeshore again and taught the crowds that were coming out to hear him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and he followed him. Now, I just want to take some time here a minute to, to set the scene. Jesus this incredible character, um, this this sort of <laughs> radical new teacher on the block, right? So like he's 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 the new guy, the 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 person that if that if they were uh, Facebooking and and if they were if they were following him on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, um, he would be busting the numbers. He really would be. Um, so this is the new guy who's around. So there's crowds out to hear him and to listen to what he's saying because they never quite know what's coming out of his mouth next and they never really know exactly what he's going to do next, which is a nightmare if you're his PR person. But he didn't have a PR person. And that's the point. He didn't have everybody... Um, checking and, and fact-checking and back-checking all his words. He said this stuff as he went around in normal, everyday life. So in this scene, it tells us quite clearly that Jesus goes for a walk down by the lakeshore. And he taught the crowds that were coming out to see him. So, although he's the new guy on the block, he's also been around for a while. He's, he's spent a significant amount of time here. And because people know who we are, they know the things he's done, they know the authority with which he teaches. And that's important to remember because of what's about to happen. Otherwise, we can get a really false idea about what's happening and not quite understand that there's a little bit of a backstory that, that Mark doesn't actually bother to fill in. But it's there anyway. So Jesus is walking along and he comes across this guy called Matthew, whose name is also Levi. So these are the players, main players. Jesus, this 
radical new rabbi, right? This teacher. You've got the crowds who come to hear him. And you've got this man that's got two names. Now, don't let the whole two name thing bother you. Um, one's Greek and one is Hebrew. Quite, quite common in their day, two cultures. Um, I think I've told you before, I had a friend in the Middle East and they named his son and he actually had 13 different names. Uh, but his first name was David. So everybody ended up calling him Dave. Um, one of his names in the middle was Good Luck. All right, which is a great name. 13 different names. Um, and, and so, but, but his first name was David, so everybody called him Dave. Um, but he's got all these different names and the names reflected his cultural background. And it's the same with Matthew, Matthew and Levi, Greek name and a Hebrew name. So don't worry about it. It's not weird. Um, and it's not a contradiction. It's not a variant in the writing of the Bible. It's just there. So this guy is there with two names. Now, he says, Jesus says to him, come and follow me. Now, he got up and he follows Jesus. What would make him, what would make him do that? Like, did Jesus come along and do some sort of Jedi thing? Come and follow me. It will be okay. Come and follow me. No, he doesn't do that. He just walks up and says to him, come follow me and be my disciple. In other words, be my trainee. Come and learn everything you can from me and follow my example and do exactly what I tell you to do. And, and all the wisdom that I have, I will put into you. And he gets up and he actually follows Jesus. Now, like I said before, if we look at this wrong, we might think that Levi, Matthew, son of Alphaeus, makes this decision based on one request. Come and follow me and be my disciple. But he actually doesn't. There's a backstory. Jesus has been around for ages and, 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 and in this little area for months and months and months, teaching in the synagogue. And he is ignited people's curiosity that there could be something more. Matthew, Greek name, Hebrew name, Levi, hears this as he's sitting at his Roman oppressor's army version of H&R Block. He's a bit of a traitor to his own people, even though he has a good Hebrew name. So he's sided with the enemy and he's taxing his own people living in an oppressed, occupied territory. He's not people's favorite guy. And he gets up and he follows Jesus. Same question, why? Why? Well, let me ask myself that question. Why would I do it? Why would you do it? Why would me, you, or us do that? Get up and follow him. Why would we do that? And whatever answer we come to is the same answer that applies to Matthew Levi. What would motivate me to get up and follow this radical 
Rabbi. There's this, um, there's this conversation that goes on in a film. It's a bit of a, a cult film. It's an iconic film. The first Matrix film, not the second two. They were rubbish. Um, but the first one, the first Matrix film, um, where Neo, played by Keanu Reeves, meets Morpheus. Not Orpheus. He's a Greek mythological figure. He meets Morpheus, played by Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne in The Matrix has all the great lines. Neo basically has, has no good lines. But, but Lawrence Fishburne has all the great lines. And in their first meeting, they sit down in the chair. Um, they come out of a rainstorm from outside. It's all atmospheric. You can hear the, the rumble of thunder in the background. There's a hint of lightning flashes through the curtains. Um, there's this room where they sit down and, uh, and, and they're sitting and facing each other in these two winged back chairs with a coffee table in front of them and a glass of water. And that's all there is in the scene. And these two guys, they're in this decrepit old dilapidated building. And Lawrence Fishburne says to Neo in this, in this, in this very measured voice, he says, you're here because you know something. But what you know, you can't explain. But you feel it. You felt it your entire life. You don't know what it is, but you know it's there. And then this great line, it's like a splinter in your mind. It's the wool, the world being pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. What, what a great narrative. You're here because you know something's wrong. You don't know what it is. It's like a splinter in your mind. Generally, people who seek Jesus and speak, seek spiritual realities, know, they just know that something is wrong in this world. They don't know what it is, maybe. They may not be able to explain it, maybe, but they know it's real and you know it's real. It's like a splinter in our mind and it will not go away. Hmm. What a great thought. What a great line. It's the world that's been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. <laughs> now, you might know all that. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, that, that, that's a great line from that. And you'll, you'll Google it and you'll look at the scene. It's a great thing. Just Google it and look at that scene. It's just wonderful the way, the way they play it out. It's wonderful, wonderful acting. Uh, and so in the middle of all this tension, uh, and then, then at the end, Lawrence Fishburne says to him, "All remember, all I'm offering you is the truth. <laughs> that is a big claim. All I'm offering you is the truth. Now, there's some other characters that are, that are in this story that, that turn up later as we're, as, as we're going along. Listen, listen to this. Listen, this, this is wonderful. It's wonderful stuff. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home 
as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors that listen to this wonderful description, and other disreputable sinners. I love that. Disreputable sinners. And then in brackets, it says that this. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. I am so glad about that. There were many disreputable sinners amongst the followers of Jesus. There were many disreputable sinners amongst Jesus' disciples. I am so glad. Why? Because I know what I am. I am a disreputable sinner. And I'm so glad because that makes me qualified to be in this group of people who are who are followers of Jesus. Now, now there's another group of people that are sort of mentioned as a drive-by um, in, in a moment. This is what it, what it says. I'll, I'll read it to you so you know that I'm not lying. Verse 16 says this. But when the teachers of religious law, who were the Pharisees, saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked. Now, listen to these words. Why does he, that's Jesus, why does Jesus eat with such scum? It's like the Pharisees have got that old English soccer chant going. Who are the people? We are the people. Who are the scum? They are the scum. Who are the people? We are the people. Who are the scum? They are the scum. That's what we used to chant when we were watching football before I knew Jesus, right? So the Pharisees are calling these people scum. They're calling Jesus' friends scum because there are so many disreputable sinners amongst them. I am labelled among the scum. <laughs> Another wonderful thing about scum, scum always floats to the top. That's free. It's a drive-by statement you could do with whatever you want. So I'm part of this. Why does, why does he eat with, so, with such scum? You know, you know something? I meet lots and lots of people who are on a spiritual journey, lots of them. Um, and, and lots of them have, the, uh, uh, they've got different paths and different stories. But lots of them have, have one single thing in common. And it's this. They don't want to be around a bunch of dogmatic closed-minded people who have an air of religiosity about them but don't have any real life in them and and that's what these teachers of the law actually are now if you if you flip forward a little bit to mark uh, chapter 7 this is what it says this is what it says in mark chapter 7 and verse 6-ish well, it's verse five. So the Pharisees and teachers of religious law asked Jesus this question. Why don't your disciples and followers follow our age old traditions? Why don't your followers, Jesus, follow our age old traditions? Do you know what Jesus' answer was? This is what he says in verse six of chapter seven of Mark. You hypocrites. The prophet was right when he said about you, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas 
as if, if they were commands from God. This is what he says next. You ignore God's law and substitute your own traditions. I don't want to be around a bunch of people who substitute their own traditions and rules and regulations and claims that they are God's law. I want to find out what this book says. Now, the problem is to find out what this book says. It means I've got to put in the hard hours to read it. It means I've got to put in the hard weeks, months and years to study it, to find out what it actually says. I can't just go through this cherry picking the things that I want to cherry pick and that I like and say, this is the things I'm going to follow. There's... Oh, there's so many verses in here. 31,105 verses. I keep saying it. I can't just cherry pick a few and live by those. I've got to take this book as a whole. And that means I've got to put the hard hours to study it in. But I know that people don't want to be a, around a bunch of stuck up the Bible calls them stiff-necked religious people. They don't want to be around that. But they do want to be around some honest seekers of truth. Some, some people who are on an honest spiritual journey. And that's what the disciples were on. And that's what Matthew, whose name is Levi, is on. He's on his honest spiritual journey. Now, the problem is, when you're on an honest spiritual journey, you may not like what you discover. And if you don't like what you discover, then you have a choice whether you continue on your honest spiritual journey or you join the hypocrites <laughs> who say, no, I'm, I'm going to take this bit of God's word and that bit of God's word and that bit of God's word and I'll fill the rest in with my traditions. No, I have to take it all or leave it all. And I think that's a fair deal. And Matthew makes the decision to try and, and follow the teaching of Jesus. And he allows himself to be labeled with the scum. Boom. When Jesus heard this in verse 17, this is what he said. Remember, they've just been called scum, these disreputable sinners like me. When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I love that. I have come not to call those who now listen to this listen to it's genius jesus is the supreme intellect the smartest person that has ever walked the face of the earth now listen to the words he uses i have come not to call those who think they are righteous but i've come to call those who know that they are sinners. Think you're righteous or know that you're a sinner. Listen to that language. Think you are righteous 
or know that you were a sinner. So that you're looking at this the right way round, right and left on the camera. Think that you're righteous or know that you're a sinner. I meet lots and lots of people every week who think they're righteous. But I get the chance to know who I am. I get the chance to acknowledge who I am. I get the chance to acknowledge that I am a disreputable sinner who's numbered amongst the scum. That's what I run that past your self-esteem lessons. I get the chance to acknowledge that. And Jesus came for me. Jesus came to this earth to rescue disreputable sinners. You can almost ask, hear him asking, any scum in the room? Present. <laughs> and any, any, any disreputable sinners, right? Yeah, that's me. Any scum in the room? Something in our human pride says, oh, how, how dare he call me that? Well, compared to him, I am. Compared to the standards he lived by, I am. This Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's in Romans. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Jesus came for us all. You know that splinter in your mind? What if that splinter has a name? What if that splinter is God's Holy Spirit nudging your spirit? What if it's nudging you to make a choice between what you think <laughs> and what you know? I think I can make it through life okay. I think I might be okay on the day of judgment. I think I might be, I think I can maybe get my good deeds to outweigh my bad deeds. I think, I think, I think, I think. I think I'm righteous. Or I know. Without Jesus, I have no hope. I'm numbered among the scum. <laughs> and the reason that makes me smile and the reason I'm so pleased with that is because then I have hope hope of the world came for us scummers <laughs> came for us came for you came for me came for us the disreputable sinners oh God help us please to get over our human pride admit who, who we are stop thinking that we're righteous and know that we're sinners who are lost without you. In Jesus' name, hey, stay safe. And uh, let him find you, because he came to seek you. Bless you. 